Welcome to the In The Clouds podcast. In The Clouds is a marketing cloud podcast powered by Lev, the most influential marketing-focused Salesforce consultancy in the world. Lev is customer experience obsessed, and podcast hosts Bobby Tishy and Cole Fisher have partnered with some of the world's most well-known brands to help them master meaningful one-on-one connections with their customers. In this podcast, they'll combine strategy and deep technical expertise to share best practices, how-tos, and real-life use cases and solutions for the world's top brands using Salesforce products today. Cole, what's your favorite Halloween costume you've ever had? Oh, Bobby, there's too many to mention. Um, I, I take Halloween very seriously. Half since I was a kid and would like had to hand make all the uh, outfits and costumery. Is this uh, still have, like a, a passion? Like at, uh, how old are you now? 48? <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite as much of a passion as it used to be. So what are you going to be for Halloween this year? Um, I don't know that I will. Uh, if, if I'm not taking my nephews around and dressed as a giant Ninja Turtle or something like that again, uh, that I, I, I may not actually dress up myself. And my neighborhood doesn't get a lot of candy or any, like, like Halloween goers. So most, mo- you know, you have those neighborhoods that people migrate to because all the good candy and then the ones that they migrate from because there are better neighborhoods to, you know, get stacked full of house to house candy. I'm I think that they that- should have like, they should advertise that there are good Halloween candy neighborhoods. There should be like menus on each door. Yes, that's a great idea. Because then I would know whether or not I even want to knock on it. Yeah. It's got like, uh, yeah, we just have that like wax paper, orange and black things that are like some sort of gross toffee. <laughs> no, thank you. Next house. <laughs> Apples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm trying to think of the last time I actually went trick-or-treating. Is this the Halloween podcast? I think it has to be now. I mean, I don't know how that parlays into our guest, Holly Enneking, the vice president of marketing here at Lev, but Holly, how could we make this the Halloween podcast? Should we talk about like spook topics? Ooh, yes. You know, go into like scariest marketing experiences. I think we can. Oh, that's good. Worst Ooh. websites. <laughs> Ghosts of marketing mistakes past. Like I think there's plenty we can do man we should do an april fools one as well i always like when businesses do april fools like when uh, ihop said they were going to change their name to ihop international yes. house of burgers that was great i love a good april fools joke i always wanted to do the like website takeover like back to the old like geosites design just like really yes. take it back have a visitor count and like flames and I wonder if IT could could do like a whole April Fools and make everybody get on dial up like when you try to log into your email it does the dial up sound I love that well anyway thanks for joining us Holly thank you yeah you bet we we really wanted to have Holly on to talk through uh, Lev on Lev and what our marketing technology stack looks like Um, one because I don't think Cole, you or I have any, any idea what it is. Um, yeah, and we super- mostly make wild assumptions on what we're using and things like that. But mm-hmm. well. from what I hear, we're heavy on direct mail. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. And, yeah, heavy on direct mail and door to door. And 
outside of that, we really don't have any idea and we were curious. And so um, it, it was just really interesting to, to think of having Holly on to talk through what our tech stack is, what we're using for what, um, some of the pain points um, that she has in, in leading her team, and then also some wish list items as well um, that'll hopefully help um, some of you figure out what you should add to your stack or what potential elements um, could be retired from it as well. So Holly, if you wouldn't mind just starting with an overview of, of Love's target market um, and really the different areas that you're focused on within, in your, within the marketing channel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to have this opportunity to uh, illuminate for you how advanced our marketing tech stack actually is and how much we're using and what all we're getting out of it. But when I'm thinking about Lev's, you know, go-to-market approach, really, you know, the first audience that we're thinking about is who our end users are at Lev. So really, you know, it's a pretty B2B, but even like a B2B2C business when we're thinking about um, the brands that we're working with and how we're helping them leverage Salesforce and all of the you know, products within the Salesforce ecosystem in order to drive the customer engagement that we're looking for. So that's really one piece of it is how we are thinking about the needs and the challenges and the expectations of marketers who are using Marketing Cloud and like I said, these other Salesforce products in order to you know, deliver marketing experiences that are best in class and driving value for the business. But what I'm thinking about from you know, my perspective as a marketer, on one hand, you know, I, we have to be prepared to market into those audiences, but we're also very channel focused. So we spend a lot of time in our marketing activity, marketing into Salesforce ex itself. So how are we um, driving awareness within the Salesforce sales team about who Love is and what we do and why they should look to us as the partner of choice when they have these customers who need support and getting you know, their marketing cloud instance stood up when they need help um, you know, bringing in other products and integrations and just thinking about their broader marketing strategy. So there's really two audiences that I'm thinking about at any given time, which is, you know, the end users, the customers that we're working with day to day, and then these channel partners who are really central to how we drive our business and fuel our growth. So speaking about fueling that growth, um, let's dive into a little bit about the marketing tech. So we do uh, a bit of drinking our own Kool-Aid, right? So we're, we're an, you know, we're a Salesforce shop, but those are not really the only tools in our tool belt. So Let's dive in a little bit into like what Salesforce tools we're using and then what we're integrating with and what some of the other uh, tools and features that we leverage are. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very much a proponent of drinking our own champagne, as it were. And so on the Salesforce side, there's quite a few different products that we have been using for a long time, some things that we're getting up and running with right now. Um, so obviously we're using, you know, sales cloud, Salesforce CRM, which is where we're, you know, storing all of our contacts. We've got all of our campaigns. I'm using that for all of my marketing attribution and to be able to see, you know, what campaigns are working, what's not working, who are we engaging with and, and what is that doing for the business? We also use Pardot for all of our email marketing. That's a really big component of our go-to-market strategy is what we're doing from an email marketing side. Um, and so uh, Pardot is a great tool for us when it comes to managing that engagement, but then also supporting what we're doing from an integration perspective within CRM in order to track those campaigns and to you know, track what's working and not working. We also use both Social Studio and Ad Studio. Ad Studio being a more recent addition to our tech stack. 
social studio we've been on for a little while now, um, but it's great because we have the opportunity with both of those tools to be able to leverage our internal teams within Love to help us get up and running. So we actually um, have some different teams that we're working with who have been giving us training, who have helped us get campaigns set up, who have um, gotten us you know, all of the tools and resources we need to be able to use them. And it's great to be able to leverage the expertise of our teams at Love in order to use tools that I had not used previously. So I'm getting experience there as well. And then the newest one that we've added on is actually Datarama. So we're using that um, in tandem with our rollout with Ad Studio to be able to track everything that we're doing from a paid advertising perspective and to see what we're spending, um, what sort of impressions it's driving, which channels are working well or not working well for us on any given campaign. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to continue to build more um, dashboards out there and continue to drive that visualization in a way that we haven't before. So I'm really excited about that one. On the non-Salesforce side of the house, there are a couple of really key tools that we're using. So the first being Terminus, formerly Sigster, which we use specifically for our email signatures. Um, as a consulting business, we send a lot of emails and uh, that is a really great opportunity for us as a marketing team to be able to promote content that we have, events that we have upcoming. We see lots of really great engagement there and it's a nice opportunity for us to really drive just brand consistency and get more brand visuals into a medium that's being used you know, consistently and at a super high volume for love. The other one that is really central to our marketing strategy is Uberflip. So this is a content management platform where we host all of the content for our blog. Uh, we host all of our eBooks and customer stories and, and all of the great resources that we have that are external facing um, for the love brand. Everything lives there and it gives us the opportunity to manage all of that content from an internal perspective, but then also externally to have a blog experience that gives users the ability to filter and search and to drive from one related piece of content to another. And then I'd say a couple other ones that we use, Google Analytics, obviously, to track our website performance. And then we also use Instapage for um, some of our other landing pages just to make sure that they, um, you know, it gives us a little more flexibility when it comes to design and layout and um, having just a little more uh, flexibility than you might get in some other um, web development platforms. So we like Instapage for that. And then I did the last sort of suite of things that we're using are from just a management perspective of just managing all of our projects and the work that we have going on. So from that perspective, we rely really heavily on Slack and Google Drive and Trello just to manage all of the requests that we have, all of the projects that are going on, saving all of the assets and resources and, and things that we're working on at any given time, and then Slack to communicate um, within our team, with the rest of the business, with, the, with specific teams within the business, um, just to keep us on track and all um, talking about the same things at the same times in the right ways. Do you have a favorite? I was just gonna mm -hmm. ask if you had a favorite platform out of all of those different elements, like one that you either use the most or you find the most beneficial or the one that has, has had the highest ROI for Lev? I would say if I had to point to one that has the highest ROI for Lev, it's absolutely Pardot when it comes to what that's done for us from an email marketing perspective and how uh, crucial that is for just our ability to engage with the audiences that we're working with. Like if I lost Pardot, I would really, really be in trouble. Um, I would say the other one that I'm a really big fan of that I use a lot and is something that um, I've used in past jobs and I will continue to use moving forward is Trello just from a project management perspective. 
Um, Trello is one that if you, when you find a good way to use it that works for you and your workflow, it can be really powerful. And some of it's just like finding the right way to use it. I've, I've been in places where we haven't found it and then it feels like a burden. Um, but if you're using it in a way that works for your team and really thoughtful about how you're, um, you know, using the features and functionality there, it can be really helpful, especially when you're managing a lot of requests and work and people working on similar projects. I'm a big fan of that one. One of the things um, that I, I kind of really enjoy, which I, I should probably say is more of like a guilty pleasure, the fact that um, all of the customers and prospects that I feel like we talk to are marketing teams that have all these specific pain points. And I feel like our marketing team really empathizes with that because it's all, all these pieces of technology that we're talking about. It's like when you're, when you're looking for a new feature set or a new technology or capability, once you actually get that and attain that or implement that, it's not like your problems are over. Now you just move on to like solving other problems. And I feel like we have this team that has, you know, it, that, that, like I said, echoes a lot of the other pain points that other marketing teams have in terms of how small and nimble they are. Uh, that always seems like they're balancing a thousand plates in the air. There's always something going on, even though we've all got, got all these tools that, you know, automate and do all these um, capabilities to try to make that load, that load as light as possible. But talk to us a little bit about, about the team, what the makeup is and, you know, how we overcome some of those pain points. Yeah, so our marketing organization at Love includes three sort of separate teams at the moment. So we've got a marketing team, we've got an alliances team, and we have a, a sales development team. Uh, the marketing team itself is, you know, full-time for people with myself as a leader of that group. Um, but so it's a small group that is doing a lot of output. So, I mean, we're putting out lots of content, we're putting on lots of activity. Um, we are, you know, doing external, you know, messaging into to Salesforce, we're talking to customers, we're doing a lot of internal work, we're doing a lot of recruitment marketing. Um, so there's a lot of that's happening in this small group. And the way that um, we sort of have it broken down right now is we've got um, one person who is content marketing, Brie Malali, who is the owner and driver behind all of our thought leadership and blog content, supports this podcast. Um, anything that's written and has some sort of love point of view, Bree's got her hands in it. We also have another Bree. So if one Bree is good, two Brees are even better. Bree Jones, who runs all of our brand and digital work. And she's got a digital marketing manager, Lily Dorsey, and a full-time designer, Kristen Martin, who does all of our beautiful brand and design work and brings the love brand to life. And the three of them are really a powerhouse when it comes to how we're creating all of these brand and digital experiences from a go-to-market perspective. So the webinars and how are we taking the content that Bree's creating and activating it across our various channels? How are we then partnering with um, Jessica Leeds and Mary Whistler, who head up our alliances team? Um, how are we supporting them as they, you know, foster our relationship within Salesforce? And then how are we supporting our sales development team as they're supporting the sales team um, and partnering with them in their efforts to go to market both within the Salesforce channel and with our customers? So it's a small group that's doing a lot of things and um, balancing a lot of different requests and priorities at any given time. Um, but I can't think of a more talented team out there, quite frankly. It'd be pretty funny if you said, yeah, I mean, they're all good people, but they can probably be a little bit more talented or oh really talented, but just awful people. I mean, the worst people <laughs> to work with. No, I and love I'm, that with this group. They're the best of the best. And that is not an exaggeration. 
I've worked with a few of them. They're okay. They're okay. fine. They're good enough. I could take yeah, them. The best. Come on. They're, yeah, they're great. Yeah, they're awesome. Uh, when it comes to the, especially the team and the resources, or maybe it's other elements too, um, you know, you mentioned about just not having, sometimes not having enough for um, how scrappy the current team is. What are some pain points or um, as well as some upcoming plans um, that you guys have on the marketing team? Yeah, I mean, just like time and resources is a common you know, struggle across all kinds. There's always so much to do from a marketing perspective. There's almost so much potential of things you can be trying and, um, you know, things you want to test and new opportunities you want to go after. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest struggles is how you balance both, you know, the time and talents of the team that you have and the resources you have available in order to drive as much value as you can and, you know, maybe make some concessions on, things you don't have the capacity to do right now or something that you may have to come back to or, you know, something that's just not going to be a good fit with, um, you know, the expertise or, you know, the way that you're wanting to go to market. I think that's always a struggle. So I think for, for me, when I'm thinking about like our tech stack specifically, you know, one of the things that I have to think about because I've got a small team um, and I really need to be able to show the value of the work that we're doing and the investments that I'm making with the limited budget that I have. I, it's really important to me that we make sure everything that we're doing integrates back into our Salesforce tech stack specifically at some level, either into Pardot or into Sales Cloud. Um, because I need to be able to track everything. I need to be able to make a case for what's working and what's not working and be able to demonstrate to the rest of my executive team what's working to help my team prioritize where we're spending time to help make a case, you know, within our partners within the business, be it, you know, on the sales side or the account side. And so having that integration is really crucial. If someone, if something doesn't meet that need, if I can't find a way to integrate it, that's a good reason for me to say no to uh, maybe adding something new to our tech stack. Um, and so I think being really intentional about how all of the pieces fit together makes, you know, gives me a good sort of guidepost for um, what I can and can't invest in. I think the other thing that I'm super self-aware of is just making sure that I don't have anything that's you know, that we've invested in that's just sitting there and not really driving value, or we haven't had the time to really innovate on or figure out how to get the most out of, you know, there's always a state of, um, you know, something working well enough, um, and maybe having potential to be getting more out of it. And I certainly have some items on my tech stack right now that I say fall into that, but I never want there to be anything where I'm just not doing anything, that it's not getting me any value, uh, that I haven't really started to scratch the surface of what it could do. Um, and so if, if we don't have the time and resources to get the most out of something, um, then that's another reason for me to not make the investment because the last thing I want is anything that's just shelfware, really. And Holly, I, that sounds so simple, but that's such a common pain point that we hear from so many different teams mm -hmm. is like, here's something that was implemented. And to your point, it's it's already, it's it's a budget line item that's already overhead and cost to us. But on top of that, like the amount of time and resources and implementation that may have gone into that is such a waste uh, just for it to be sitting on there as shelfware just not being leveraged at all. So that's that's like a huge issue we always run into all the time. Um, but in terms of wish list, hypothetically, we have the resources, we have the ability to onboard and implement, and, you know, we're not worried about, um, you know, resource bandwidth at the point. 
-hmm. what would we be implementing today? What would be, what tools would we be next leveraging uh, if you had it your way? Yeah, I would say like top of my wish list at the moment would absolutely be interaction studio. So something from a real-time personalization perspective, I think interaction studio in itself is just a really interesting um, software. Like there's so much again, to that point of like the amount of potential that's out there of like, what could you do and what could those experiences look like? Like that makes me really excited as a marketer and someone primarily with a pretty heavy digital marketing background. And so like thinking about what we could do with interaction studio from like a website experience is something that I would just love to get to the point of being able to implement implement. And, you know, selfishly, it gives me a ch another chance to work with our internal teams, which is something that I've always really loved and valued. I know um, when I first came to Lev, I was a little nervous about coming to a company where I was going to be leading marketing for a company made up of marketing experts. Like that's an intimidating role to step into and somewhere else, maybe not as, um, you know, collaborative collaborative as I have found it here. Um, but actually it's been great because whenever I run into any sort of issue or question, I've got a whole team of experts that, you know, I can go to and, you know, I know the love space and what love is trying to do, but then I can tap into their expertise to help me just get a little bit more to do something a little bit better, think about things in a way that I wouldn't have because of the experience that they're bringing to the table. Um, so I think that real-time personalization, something interaction studio would be would be really fun. The other one that's really high on my list is online chat. So um, I've used Drift in the past. Um, there are some other offerings that are out there that I think are really interesting that I think that could be something as I'm thinking about how we're leveraging the website and managing the traffic there and maybe finding ways to engage the sales development team or how our marketing team could be leveraging that just to help drive people down particular paths that we want them to take. I think chat is really interesting. That's one though, where, you know, going back to our conversation about, you know, how you're evaluating tech that you bring into your tech stack. That's one where from a time and resource perspective, like, I don't know that we have it right now. And so that's been like, if I had it, I, I would probably pull the trigger on it really quickly, but it's been one that's sort of been on the wish list for a while now because I see the potential, but I'm afraid of signing my team up for something that would be too much to manage and would end up being something that's just sort of sitting there and not really getting the use that we want to out of it. So it's one where I'm, I'm starting to feel a little more excited, like maybe we're getting close to that. And um, that one is pretty, pretty high on my list of things that I'd like to see. Before we move on to completely unrelated, do you have a favorite campaign or a favorite activity that you've done in your time at Lev? I would say there are two that I'm really proud of. So the first one is you know, going back to talking about um, Pardot being really central to our business and how we're going to market. We did a campaign um, that we called All You Need Is Lev. It was essentially like a brand building awareness campaign into Salesforce. It's about who we are, what we do. And it had uh, just such a fun design, like the tone of it was really fun. It was a playing, you know, lots of puns around um, music and songs, and it just generated a lot of buzz and awareness and was an opportunity for us to go to market from a channel marketing perspective with uh, sort of a brand point of view that I think is different than other partners. And, you know, one of the things that I really love about the Love brand is the way that I try and think about it is that um, we take our job seriously, but not ourselves. 
And I want that to really be inherent in the love brand and, and what the campaigns are that we're doing. And I think that one really embodied it and had the success to back it up. The other one that I would say I'm like hands down the most proud of is Ultraviolet, which is the conference that we put on in April of last year that we're working on, or April of this year, it feels like a million years ago, but it was really only like six months ago. We're already starting to plan for the next one. Uh, essentially two days of content jam-packed. Both you guys were involved in it with great sessions that you put together for us. Um, and it was like six months of really hard work of pulling this event off. Um, but really blowing all of our expectations out of the water as far as what we could do and who we could engage and the number of registrants and participants and the types of content we could put on. Um, and going back to bragging about how amazing my team is, like it was only possible because this really incredible team made it happen and made this random crazy idea that I had a reality. So um, from a like broader team, something we were able to pull off together, like that is absolutely a feather in this team's cap of putting together an event that um, I will probably be like one of my all-time career highlights for sure. Yeah, you guys did an awesome job at that. Bobby, I almost jumped in and answered the question for you because I was, uh, I was yeah. on mute, almost like trying to yell ultraviolet. Ultraviolet. <laughs> but, yeah, you just blew that out of the water. That was amazing. Thank yeah, you. ultraviolet was a blast. Yeah, you guys were awesome. I was so grateful to have both of you guys with great, con like such great sessions um, that you two, you know, volunteer. That's, you know, about love with all of these experts, like people like you who are so willing to volunteer your expertise and give that insight, uh, I think is what makes love so special and such a great partner. So um, thank you guys for being a part of it too. And don't worry, I'll be reaching out to you soon for what sessions you'd like to do next time. <laughs> what, how many, yeah. I, I, I can't remember, how many sessions were there? We had over 30 sessions over the two days. And I, of those, of those 30 sessions, Cole, I heard ours were number 44 and 45 on the most popular. So <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, ag <laughs> thanks again, Holly, for joining us, uh, shifting to completely unrelated. And we, as we were prepping for the podcast, Holly, you had shared that your daughter is big into Halloween and uh, this podcast will come out during the Halloween time. So in that vein, the best and worst thing you've gotten while trick-or-treating. So I'm going to like hot take with the best thing. My hands-on favorite candy is three Musketeers bar. I love them. <laughs> that oh, would be okay. my like trading. Like that's the one that usually everyone else is trying to give away is three Musketeers. I love them. I'm all for it. So I'm usually now. To do that. you do you freeze them? I yes, in the at least in the fridge freezer is even better. I feel that same way about Reese's as well. Like give me a Reese's pumpkin that's been in the fridge, and that's an ideal Halloween candy. So is there a worst? I would say the worst thing I've gotten, like definitely the like when you get a penny or a pencil, like those are never who's giving out pennies and pencils i definitely got some of those in the door-to-door -door days of the 90s my kids though don't experience that like my neighborhood is one where like multiple houses have full-size candy bars oh so, see, that's what was gonna be my best those people yeah. are saints I just, yes true doesn't joke. matter what kind of candy it is if it's a full-size one that's my new favorite house
Yeah, the, so those are the houses. That's not candy is the worst to get. Like you don't want to get like a bouncy ball or like. Well, no, anything. I was my worst was going to be. Remember those big popcorn balls? Oh, awful! And yeah. it wasn't like it was good popcorn. I love popcorn, oh. but the popcorn ball was like it had been stale for three years, so it was hard as a rock. You couldn't even eat it. Yeah, it's awful. That's, that's really bad. What's Any, your favorite? Anything you can't rot your teeth out with is should not be on the Halloween menu. I agree, completely agree. I, and any, anything that's sugar uh, is my best. <laughs> I don't, I don't uh, discriminate when it comes to candy. Uh, Reese's are definitely up there. I, I'm a big fan of Three Musketeers, love Almond Joy, um, mm. Skittles, Sour Patch Kids. You know what I missed though, when I was a kid, I used to get, I used to hope that people would have them. And then anytime I had a dollar or something, I would go buy them at the candy store. Do you guys remember Warheads? Yes. Oh, love a Warhead. Yeah. Warheads and like, where like you'd, you'd bet your friends to like eat three at a time to see if their mouth would burn up or something like that. Yes. Were Warheads sour? I remember tearjerkers. Were those like the generic Warheads? I think so. Uh, I th well, I think it was just a different brand of them. But yeah, same, same concept. I love tearjerkers. Because then they had a, uh, well, because they had a, a tearhead or tearjerker warhead it was like a more sour warhead i gotta i gotta check out and see if they still have warheads yeah warheads were incredible absolutely loved those i feel like my um, favorite was I, I would go to my uh my grandmother's house was you know down like kind of outside of the neighborhood so we would always go there last and she would basically take like a whole bucket of starburst and just dump it into my my trick-or-treat bag and I was just like yes like you knew at the end like, oh my gosh count um and then of course you my parents would roll it up on you know the the brown paper bag on top of the fridge and we'd only have a little bit after school snack and I know they were fishing out of it they would never admit it but they were fishing out of it for sure um but I guess the least favorite for me was anything that was like you know like those um I mentioned the the orange or the black um wax paper twist things that were over like some random toffee or something like that or i like caramel but anybody who gave away werther's was like <laughs> like what did you was do you think you cut me for like, like early bird spash before bingo or something like this is, like werther's was old person candy i want like starburst or like something super sugary that's gonna rot my teeth out which is so funny because now love werther's <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I, I imagine you're the Werther's handout guy in your oh, neighborhood. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Although one of the, like one of my other bests now is the fact that we we don't have kids, and uh, we don't really live in a neighborhood that does a lot of trick or treating. But I still will go to this candy store and buy like two or three huge bags of candy. Like, well, we got to have it just in case, you know. And then I just get to eat candy for the whole month after. Well, I, I have two kids who I can send out to trick or treat and I have an eight-year-old son who can hit a lot of houses in one night as he demonstrated last year. And I got to say, there's a big benefit to sending him out to do all the hard work. And then I get to pick out the candy that I like while he's asleep. Like I'm definitely. I knew mom. it. <laughs> Boy, you know, I really hope your kids don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I won't be able to listen to this one in the car with them. That's for sure. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks again, Holly. Really appreciate the time. And uh, um, as always, uh, you can reach out to us at in the clouds at lovedigital.com. 
if you have any feedback, uh, specific topics or things you'd like for us to discuss, um, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again.